Today we're going to continue in our, in our series, Face to Face with the Gospel from Galatians. We're picking up in chapter 2 and we'll be looking at verses 1 to 10. Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. We read the word of the Lord. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet, because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised works also through me for mine to the Gentiles, And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, for your word is good, for your word is truth. Lord, I pray that you would speak through your word today, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name. Amen. So last week, we were kind of looking at a bit of Paul's testimony, and and he's going to continue with his story today. He continues with, with telling a bit about what's going on, a bit about his history, a bit about his passion for the gospel, a bit about his desire for what he wants the Galatians to get, to grasp, to understand. He tells us of, of going to meet the pillars of the church in Jerusalem, Peter, James, and John. And Paul is nervous about this meeting. He's not nervous because he's starstruck, you know. It's not like, oh, I get to meet the, the big disciples. He's, he's not nervous because he's, he's nervous about making a bad impression or, or how it's going to be when he meets these, these big wigs, right, these pillars. He's not nervous because he seeks approval. He's confident in his calling and in the message that has been revealed to him by Jesus. He's nervous because he has come to them, these three power players in the church, to cut off at the knees those who were trying to sabotage the gospel. The saboteurs have been saying that what Paul is preaching is not truth. They've been saying that he is wrong, that his message is not complete, that the gospel that he is proclaiming is not enough. So Paul goes to the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, and he brings with him a test case in Titus. Titus is a Christian and a Greek and therefore a Gentile, and therefore he is not circumcised. 
And so therefore, he does not meet the standards that the false brothers, Paul's saboteurs, have established as necessary. According to them, since Titus didn't follow all of the Jewish customs and that he was not circumcised, he didn't meet the qualifications of the gospel. He couldn't be a Christian. So Paul takes Titus to the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. He takes Titus to Peter, James, and John. He wants to know if they're going to accept Titus. If they accept him, then the message of the false brothers is shown to be a lie. If they don't accept him, then there will be a massive divide in the church between the Gentiles and the Jews. So Paul is nervous. There's a lot at stake here. Some scholars argue that the future of the church is at stake here. A divide between the Jews and the Gentiles in the early church would have been devastating. And it all rests on one question. Does Titus belong? A more theological way of asking the question is like this. Is the law necessary for justification or is it not? Or do we need to obey the law in order to be saved? Or is Christ's work on the cross enough? So does Titus belong? Even though he does not meet the requirements of the Mosaic law, is he still a Christian? Will the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, these pillars of the faith, accept him? Does Titus belong? This past week, Karen and I officially became New Jersey residents. We sent our, our two oldest off to school, and we packed the other three into the van, and we headed off for Oakland, New Jersey, and got to the DMV, and got our, our driver's licenses. Who likes going to the DMV, like nobody, and there's no way. There's no way anybody likes going to the DMV, unless they're like masochistic. It's, it's, it's a terrible place. You get your number and you gotta wait in line and there's just all these people and it takes forever. And then you've got kids and, and the way they did it at the DMV we went to, we had to like, we got our number and, and thankfully Karen's great and she got all the paperwork in order beforehand so we actually got through fairly quick, but they call your number and you gotta stand there. Look at like three kids that they don't want to stand in one place. They want to run around. And... It was a bit of a long day. They got us through actually much, much faster than I was anticipating them getting us through. So I am counting my blessings on that. But we went to the DMV. We got our licenses. And so according to the government, we now belong in the state of New Jersey. We can vote here. We can drive here. We get the privilege of paying taxes here. This is now where we belong, according to the government. But what about according to the people? What about our neighbors? Do we belong in Jersey, according to the owners of the Panda House, our current go-to Chinese takeout place? They see some kids stumble in the door, 
wearing a Seahawks hat, sometimes it's backwards, talking with a different accent, and paying with a card from a bank they've never heard of before. Does this kid belong here according to them? What about according to us? You know, what about according to Karen and I? Do we belong? The way that we talk sounds different. We're still trying to figure out where to buy certain groceries or, or where to get the best price. It's, it's coming, but, you know, we're working on it. We cheer for different sports teams. We don't know which pizza place makes the best pizza. We don't know the reasons behind cultural conflicts, like why Jersey residents avoid going into New York City. We still need a GPS to get around. We don't know how to use the back roads to get pretty much anywhere. We don't want to drive anywhere near the city, and our, our moms, dads, brothers and sisters, and grandparents live on the literal other side of the country. And yet here we are. Do we belong? According to the government, yes, but how about according to the people? How about according to us, personally? And how about the church? Maybe, maybe some of you are wrestling with the same questions. Maybe it's not, do I belong in Jersey? Maybe it's, do I belong in church? Maybe it's, do I belong in this church? Am I a Christian? Do I belong? Do I have a place in Christianity? Does God want me here? Do I belong? That question, though it may not hold repercussions on the same grand scale of, does Titus belong? It is still extremely important to each of us. As humans, as part of a community, we long to know that we are desired, that we have worth, that people care, that God cares. We want to know that we belong. Back to the text. How was our question answered today? Paul brought Titus to Jerusalem, presented him before the leaders there, and was and so how was the question, does Titus belong, answered? We read in verse 9, and when James and Cephas, that's Peter, I don't know why, I, he, he uses it for different reasons, but Paul writes Cephas, but that's, that's Peter, it's, it's just another name for Peter here. So when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Does Titus belong? And the answer is a resounding yes. Paul and Barnabas, the two leaders of the Gentile church, were extended the right hand of fellowship by the leaders from the Jewish church. And further, they were commissioned to keep up the good work. 
Lenski, in his commentary on Galatians, says, This implied the fullest endorsement of the work in Galatia. Of all the liberty of the gospel Paul had been and was preaching, in complete disapproval of all of the arguments championed by the false brothers, the saboteurs. Lenski saying that by giving the right hand of fellowship, the, the leaders in, in Jerusalem were saying, yes, this is good. You are doing good work. The people in Galatia are Christians, and they are part of the church, even though they haven't kept all of the Mosaic laws. And go and do more. Grow that church. Continue to spread this gospel. Go and continue to be effective. And those that are bringing this falseness against you, those that are bringing these lies against you, they are wrong. And they may say that they are from us, but they are not. That is a false gospel. They distanced themselves from these that said they were sent from them. Lenski writes further that this must have been a public act, one performed before an entire conference. So that those that were were being troublesome, the false brothers couldn't say, well, you know, that was probably just done behind doors. This is the truth. No, they did it in public. They did it in a place that it could not be denied. So the strength, the truth of the gospel could be preserved. So that the false brothers could be disavowed, weakened, shown for what they were. And so the answer to the question of does Titus belong could be answered with a resounding yes. Firm, solid, exciting yes. The acceptance of Titus by the Jewish believers was a vivid illustration that an individual becomes spiritually clean and acceptable through Christ and not through any deeds or rituals. God calls. Titus was called into a relationship with God, not because of what he had done or what he hadn't done, but because of God's love, as we read in John 10, 27, and also in the passage read earlier today, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, where it says, Take hold of the eternal life, to which you were called. God called Titus into relationship with him. And he calls us as well. God has called us by his grace. Even though we were hanging out in the nasty cesspit that is our sin, God has called us into relationship with him. He has told us by virtue of his calling as well as through the words of his holy scripture that we belong. We belong in his church and with him and he longs for us. This is grace. This is the gospel. God calls each of us into places that we may not necessarily feel like we fit He calls us out of our comfort zones and into relationship with Him and then into His mission. Karen and I are so excited 
to be called to join the mission of Calvary Church here in Bergenfield, New Jersey. Even though we may look different, eat different, eh, definitely talk a little different, absolutely drive different than the locals, we know we belong. Even though the majority of our immediate family is on the other side of the country, we know that we belong. We know because God has called us here. And he has affirmed that call through the blessing that this church has been to us, the encouragement that you have been to us, and that I pray we have been and will be to you. We belong because we've been called. And God is calling you. Again, this is the gospel. And since it is the gospel, there is freedom for our differences. You may look around this church and say, do I belong here? There aren't many people that dress like me here. There aren't many people that look like me here or sound like me here. And the gospel says, great! That's fantastic! It doesn't matter what you dress like. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you sound like. The gospel is for you. It is not chained down by looks, sounds, or cultural differences. It sets us free from the chains of those differences and unites us all together in his body, the church. God longs for you to be part of the church. He longs to use you and your differences in his mission to reach the lost, to bring a hurting and dying world into his loving embrace. Maybe you don't feel like you belong in the body of Christ. You've done horrible things. You've sinned against God and against your fellow man. Maybe led others astray by your actions. So how could you possibly belong here? If this is you today, I have good news. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 reads, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't make ourselves better, and then Jesus decided to die for us because we earned it. That's not what the gospel tells us. He knew that we are sinners. He knew that we are unworthy and unworthy. And still he decided to pay the price for us. And then there's 1 John 1 verse 9 which reads, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess that we were wrong, that we were sinful, that we need him, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive and not just forgive but purify. Please don't see this as a free pass to sin. That is abusing God's gift and God's grace. We're not free from the moral law as a way to live. Christians are free from the moral law as a system of salvation. See this for what it is intended to be. 
It is an invitation. It is a plea to embrace God's call on your life. God is telling you that you belong. That he wants you here in his church and a part of his body. And he longs to use you in his mission to reach the lost. To bring a hurting and dying world into his loving embrace. You belong. You belong. Praise God. Amen.